Hello everybody and welcome to episode 20 of EV Brief. My name is Jonathan McFeet. An all new Porsche body style doesn't come along very often and with the release this week of Porsche's electric Taycan four-door sedan, we're going to take a bit of an in-depth look at the full technical specifications, pricing and the big question of whether Germany's first all-electric sports sedan has what it takes to compete with Tesla's Model 3 and Model S in the electric car market. Okay, let's start with the question of whether the Taycan is, as some media like to report, a Tesla killer. The short answer is no, and not because it can't match the Tesla spec for spec. The reason I believe this is because Porsche hasn't developed the Taycan to compete directly with Tesla. There's a lot of noise and outrage from Tesla fans post-launch of the Taycan, exclaiming that this new car will be a flop and that they could buy three Tesla Model 3s for the price of one Taycan, but I feel that this is somewhat missing the point. This car is a Porsche. It has been engineered to the same standards as every other Porsche, and we know that means that it will be an exceptional precision instrument for drivers. Already, first reports from the worldwide press launch and pre-production drives of the Taycan are that it looks and feels like a four-door 911, and I believe that Porsche's target market for this car is current customers who might already drive, say, a 911 and a Cayenne, and who are familiar with the unique Porsche feel and are looking to add something different to their garage, or a supercar owner who appreciates tech and Porsche design, still loves petrol engines but simply wants a beautifully crafted yet devastatingly fast addition to their collection. Is the Taycan expensive? At least in the form of its launch variants, the answer is resoundingly yes. Porsche is initially offering a Taycan Turbo for a starting price of $150,900 US and a Turbo S variant for $185,000. All Taycans are running on an 800-volt system architecture, a first in the automotive world. 800-volt systems are widely seen to be the future in vehicle applications, able to operate at a lower current with better efficiency and creating less heat in battery packs. They also weigh less and take up less space as you can have smaller diameter cables by increasing the voltage running through them, and this has allowed the engineers to equip the Taycan with a low sports car-like driving position. The Taycan has two permanent magnetic synchronous motors, as seen in Tesla's Model 3. Now these are a bit more expensive to produce than other electric motor styles, but they are currently the most efficient design available, taking up less space and reducing mass in the vehicle. They also have better cooling capabilities, and this obviously was critical to Porsche's engineering team. The Taycan is the first consumer electric vehicle to my knowledge with a two-speed transmission, made in-house by Porsche. Mounted on the rear axle, Porsche claims the unit improves efficiency, low-speed performance and overall top speed. There's also an air suspension setup and a conventional electronic limited slip differential on the rear axle, and Porsche tells us in the most efficient driving modes the Taycan either runs entirely as a front-wheel drive setup or as a four-wheel drive but prioritising second gear for maximum range and efficiency. Clever. Porsche initially promised 350 kilowatt DC fast charging when the Mission E concept was announced, but the Taycan is launching with the ability to charge at up to 270 kilowatts through DC power. The company says that the charging time from 5% to 80% battery capacity will take 22 minutes for the 93.4 kWh lithium-ion battery. More on that later. The cheaper turbo model has a WLTP range of 236 to 279 miles, and the Turbo S has a slightly reduced range due to its performance capabilities of 241 to 256 miles. Now I reckon real world range for the turbo model will be somewhere in the middle of the WLTP figure, say about 250 miles. 
onto the battery and the Taycan's battery consists of 33 cell modules with 12 cells in each. When it comes to the type of cells however, Porsche hasn't gone with the cylindrical 18650 or 21700 cells that we are familiar with from Tesla. They are using pouch cells from LG which are small flat units stacked together. Without getting too deep in it, uh, pouch cells are far more space efficient than cylindrical cells and also don't have the extra metal housing as added weight you see with Tesla's batteries. And I think I can see how Porsche viewed this battery technology as the right fit for the low-slung Taycan. Unfortunately they, unfortunately they do have some uh, downsides as I understand it. They are more expensive to produce for one and have a higher incidence of faults than cylindrical cells. My concern would be if there is an issue with one of these pouches, there's a lot of digging around to fix the problem, whereas Tesla's cell structure allows for a quick replacement. The Taycan does have a complex cooling system throughout the car, and I can't help but think the Taycan's perceived limited battery range is due to Porsche's prioritisation of thermal management over outright Tesla beating range. My final point on the battery is that it is bolted directly to the body structure for maximum rigidity. Porsche claims the Taycan's chassis is the stiffest of any of the company's vehicles. The body is a pretty standard combo of steel, extruded steel for strength and aluminium. I believe the drive unit housings on each axle are also some sort of aluminium too. Finally, in terms of under the metal, I'd like to talk about the brakes. The Taycan is obviously heavy, coming in at 5,100 pounds. The car features 16.5 inch front rotors and 10 piston brake calipers on the front and 4 pistons on the rear. While the Turbo S variant gets ceramic discs as standard, the regular Turbo gets a special ceramic coating as well to assist with one of the Taycan's other feats of engineering. What I'm talking about is the braking regeneration. According to Porsche, the Taycan can recuperate an incredible 265 kilowatts through braking alone at a deceleration figure of 0.4 g, even when the ABS is activated, and this ceramic coating will help the brakes deal with the constant pressure they're under. Aside from active brake cooling, uh, the Taycan also uses the front camera to change its regenerative braking performance. The car can also brake entirely electronically, without hydraulic input from the driver through the brake pedal. Now, in terms of engine performance, the Turbo S Taycan puts out 761 horsepower and 1,050 Nm of torque, while the Turbo puts out 670 horsepower and 850 Nm of torque. This provides a 0-60 time of 2.8 seconds for the Turbo S and 3 seconds for the Turbo. Now, it's in these areas of range and performance that Porsche has copped the most criticism from Tesla fans. If we compare the Model S performance with 762 horsepower and a 0-60 mile an hour time of 2.4 seconds, this car retails in the US for $99,900, over $50,000 less than the Taycan Turbo, and it is arguably better equipped too. So what do you get in the way of standard equipment? As the US is a launch market for the Taycan, let's look at how these cars are specced over there. Firstly, standard and metallic paint finishes are a no-cost option. The Turbo comes with 20-inch wheels, the Turbo S with 21-inch wheels. Black leather is standard, and I'm pleased to see a leather-free option is no cost, and it also includes recyclable materials in the cabin. Electric 14-way seats are standard with front and rear heating, as are Matrix LED lights with the Porsche Dynamic Lighting System. Battery preconditioning and the ability to set the cabin temperature remotely are included, and the Taycan Turbo has lane keep assist, parking sensors, and a reversing camera. But hold on, because things are about to get expensive. The premium package with comfort items, a surround view camera, lane change assist, and seat ventilation is $4,300. The performance package is $5,400 and gets you PDCC, the sport chrono package, rear axle steering, and the fake engine sound. 
the ladder can be added on its own for just $500. If you'd like an exterior body kit, that's $5,600, thank you. Ceramic brakes on the turbo will cost you $6,400. Adaptive cruise control on its own is $2,050. If you want the Trick electric charge port door, that's $600. And if you want to actually charge via DC rapid charges, that'll cost you $460 extra. In fact, just specking the bare minimum equipment I would accept on my hypothetical Taycan added over $12,000 to the list price. I would argue, however, that yes, while Porsches are expensive, there's no shortage of people queuing up to buy them. The Taycan Turbo is actually priced lineball with the larger Panamera Turbo sedan in the US, which is $153,000. All that said, I think it's poor form for Porsche to charge extra for DC fast charging, or even the electric charging door, if they're trying to convince people that electric is the future. Finally, in terms of design, you've probably seen many photos by now, but I think the Taycan is an exceptionally beautiful car. Low and sporty, the driver sits in a similar driving position to that of a 911. At 195.3 inches or 4.96 metres long, the Taycan is smaller and shorter than a Panamera, and a similar length to the Tesla Model S. The rear is rounded yet athletic, emphasised by the broad LED light bar stretching across the back, and the retractable spoiler also helps that as well. The side profile is classic Porsche with hints of 911 and Panamera. The front is where we see the biggest diversion from Porsche DNA, still clearly recognisable from the four-point LED light signature. The new rectangular headlights and large vertical air intakes are a departure from Porsche's usual styling themes. There's been a bit of criticism of Porsche's move in line with the rest of the Volkswagen Group to a fully touch-slash-touchscreen interior with haptic feedback on the centre console screens, a fully digital curved driver's display and an optional passenger display. The interior design though harks back to classic Porsches with bold horizontal lines and a snug feeling. Unfortunately the rear looks a little too snug though, with a number of journalists commenting on the lack of headroom and legroom in the rear. My conclusion? Does the Taycan successfully go head-to-head -head with a Tesla Model S or even Model 3 performance? No, it does not. Is it better than a Tesla, or is Bloomberg's Michael Dean spinning hyperbole when he says, quote, the Taycan is a turning point as it raises the technical bar for EVs beyond Tesla, end quote. There's some amazing tech in the Taycan, the battery system, uh, the two-speed rear-mounted gearbox setup, and the amount of energy captured through the braking regen, for example. I would have liked to see some standard high-speed charging, as I've mentioned, some manual switches in the cabin for basic functions, and a rear hatch design rather than a boot. What Porsche has created, though, is a beautiful, exceptionally crafted and advanced vehicle that is unequivocally in the mould of the brand. It just happens to be their first battery electric vehicle. The Taycan may not go head-to-head -head with the Tesla Model S on performance down to the millisecond, but it's still devastatingly quick. Let's remember Tesla's mission is to, quote, accelerate the world's transition to sustainable energy, end quote. I think that a lot of people want to see Tesla succeed, sometimes at the expense of manufacturers like Porsche, Jaguar and Mercedes-Benz. But let's remember we need everyone producing zero-emissions vehicles for the transition from fossil fuels to happen rapidly. The fact that a manufacturer such as Porsche, with a history and range of cars revered by enthusiasts, drivers and journalists, has followed Tesla down the all-electric path is momentous. And a clear demonstration that Tesla is on the money, and I believe still leading the automotive technology field. If anything, the launch of the Taycan demonstrates just how far ahead of the game Tesla has been since the first Model S was launched in 2012. Porsche will always do things their way, and while Tesla will always have advantages such as their software and vertical integration in manufacturing, Porsche knows how to engineer cars and make a profit. 
although Tesla's in-house battery production is no doubt more cost-effective than what Porsche is able to achieve, the buying power of Porsche through the Volkswagen Group must count for something, and I am doubtful that they would produce the Taycan at a loss as a vanity project. In 2018, Porsche produced 256,000 vehicles and had a total revenue of 25.8 billion euros. Crucially, they made an operating profit of 4.3 billion euros. Now that's close to 17,000 euro profit per car. And according to Duisburg Germany, who conducts studies comparing automaker profitability, this is almost double the profitability of premium volume manufacturers like BMW and Mercedes-Benz, who make around 9,000 euro profit per vehicle as of 2018. And that's it for episode 20 of EV Brief. Thanks for joining me for this quick look at the new Taycan. Let me know your thoughts on the car. Do you like the styling? Are you impressed by the technology? Would you buy one? Send me an email at evbriefpodcast at gmail.com. On the next episode, we'll bring you part two of my interview with Slava Kozlovsky, as well as more EV news from around the world. Don't forget to subscribe to EV Brief through your favorite podcast app. My name is Jonathan. Thanks so much for listening and have a great week.